but I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it, just to say that, uh, you know, there's a guy working for Life magazine and uh, in a kind of a job that doesn't have much adventure. And he's uh, realizing that he's really observing life, uh, not just the magazine, and not really living life, and that he's wanting to figure out. And, and so that missing negative is really a kind of a picture of uh, what's missing in his life that he's trying to find uh, and finding that adventure. And what I'd like to say today is that the life of serving, which what we're talking about today, the life of serving is an adventure, and that the adventure is now, not later, and that we are made for this life of serving, this life of adventure. Uh, J.R. Tolkien, who wrote uh, the, the Lord of the Rings series uh, in one of his first books, out comes the a mouth of a hobbit describing adventure and describing uh, some of the danger because hobbits like safety, they like comfort. And uh, one of the, the statements is this, careful that first step out your door because you never know where the path and where your feet may lead you. And what I'd like to say about the life of serving today is that we do not know what God has in store for us. There's a series of events, a series of choices and anything could happen. And so today I pray that God would awaken our, the eyes of our heart, the ears of our heart to see and to hear what it is that he has in store for us and that there is mystery and that there is adventure in this life that we call the Christian life. And would you just, uh, I just want to pray right now about this and, and also um, just received a text uh, earlier uh, from uh, Jason um, and we just like to pray for him and where he and the team are at right now. Uh, so, Lord, uh, in these moments, uh, we just pray that there would be awakening of hearts. And, Lord, that we would see the adventure that lies before us. Lord, what you prepared for us in advance. And, God, uh, we do pray for the team and uh, just protection and also just uh, any tension that's going on. Lord, that you would uh, be the one who uh, brings resolve to that tension uh, or help, or aid, or whatever is needed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're in a series, uh, Serving That Changes Everything. Uh, our first Sunday, we talked about uh, who we serve, the truth of, of serving. Uh, the second Sunday, we talked about uh, why we serve, the love of serving. Third Sunday, we talked about, uh, what did we talk about? We talked about the... Light of serving, the impact of serving. And so uh, today we're talking about uh, the life of serving and really answering the question, when? And, uh, and as you see, as we get into this, it could be any time. It could be anywhere. Now, there is this, uh, a passage I want to share from. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And that's where we're going to be based in today. But there is a story that occurs in the Gospels that I think illustrates what happens, or illustrates what Ephesians 2 is talking about in this life of serving. So uh, I want to tell this story, and it occurs in a little town of Capernaum next to the Sea of Galilee in Israel. Uh, next, and and uh, in that little town of Capernaum, uh, Jesus uh, began his ministry after being baptized by uh, John the Baptist. <coughs> He goes, and, uh, and it's there by the Sea of Galilee in, in the town of Capernaum that on those shores that Jesus called his first disciples to him. It's there in that town 
that Jesus is first invited to speak in a synagogue in that little town. And uh, speaking in a synagogue uh, was a common thing, to, uh, the rotation of people who spoke, and uh, it happened on various times and, and basises. But uh, Jesus is invited, and it's there uh, one day after teaching that Jesus went to Simon's, Simon Peter's house for lunch. Now, I'm sure it's kind of like, like what it is here today. You know, we come in, and we may have rushed in, or we, we kind of got a late morning, and we didn't eat much, and uh, we're sitting in here, and all of a sudden, our stomachs start rumbling. And we want to fill that rumbly in our tumbly. And so we are figuring out where we're going to go for lunch. And that's what we're thinking about. Well, it's, it was the same back in the day. They were figuring out where they go for lunch. And they had a plan. They were going to Simon Peter's house. And his mother-in-law cooks a good meal. So it was going to, everyone's going to get filled up. But there's a problem. They go over there. And uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, the cook of the house, she's not feeling well. In fact, she's in bed with a high fever. Now, Jesus walks into the house as if he's been there before, and maybe they had, maybe this was a common thing, uh, but he walks into the house, walks over to his, Peter's mother-in-law, bends over her, speaks to the fever, and she is healed. Now, get this. The first thing that she does when she is healed, the first thing that she does when she's healthy is that she serves Jesus. It's first thing she does. And now I don't know if she knew Jesus from previous visits or how much she knew of the divinity of Jesus. I mean, the disciples didn't fully understand his divinity until the night before he was crucified. But So I don't know exactly what happened in Peter's mother-in-law, whether there was some sort of spiritual recognition of Jesus as God, you know, as he healed her, or, or there was some awesome gratefulness welling up in her, or just a determined lady who wasn't going to be told, now, now, you should rest. You were just, you just had a fever. You know, and she's like, no way. I'm, I'm up. I'm better. I feel good. You know, but whatever happened sparked almost an automatic response in the presence of her maker and healer. And that response was to serve, to serve, which was her worship. And we've talked about that previously, how worship and service are interchangeable words in the New Testament and in the Gospels. And, and so Peter, Peter's mother-in-law jumps out of bed as if serving Jesus was the very thing that she was created to do. So today, in talking about the life of serving, answering when we serve, the answer I see from Scripture is now, <laughs> immediately. There's no waiting. There's no later. We're called to serve, and it's now. I believe that today for us, as a people who have been created and recreated by Jesus, healed by our sin from, by Him, we have been made to serve God. It is part of our wiring to worship or serve God. And when we don't serve Him, we will find something else to worship. Maybe control. Maybe material things. Maybe self. Maybe comfort. Maybe achievement. Maybe it's a relationship we'll worship. But those things weren't made by God to be worshipped. So of course, if we worship those things, they short-circuit us. They fry us. They burn up our, our core processor. Now, it doesn't matter if you're made like a PC or a Mac processor. We are all made for God. Listen to this passage from a letter written by Paul, the persecutor of the faith, turned to mighty advocate for the faith. He says this, God saved you by His grace when you believed. 
And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Pause. You know, the world, I just want to, want to be straight with this. If you're here for the first time and you're investigating the Christian faith, really, this message is for people who have already put their faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're listening in, you're still going to benefit from this because you're going to hear what Christ followers are supposed to do when they understand grace and the life that they are called to live, a life of adventure that they're supposed to live. And I know that maybe you haven't observed it in some people, but I hope that you will observe it and you have observed it, I hope. But if not, this is the way it is intended to be by God. And, and the other thing that, in pausing here for a moment to say, that when we talk about the grace of God, I want, I want you to know that the world, and I'm not talking about church world, I'm just talking about the world world, likes to divide people up into bad and good, right and wrong, liberal, conservative, blah, 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 blah. And whatever it might be, they like to divide people. I want you to know that Jesus didn't divide people up like that. He only divided people up into two categories, the humble and the proud. And he said that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We humble ourselves before God. And what we have to humble ourselves for is this. You see, the thing is, Jesus says that everyone is wrong. Everyone is wrong, but everyone is greatly loved. And we're all called to recognize that called to recognize that and to follow him. And so I want you to know that grace isn't about a reward for the good things we have done. God made it that way so that none of us could boast about it. And then continuing in this verse, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Did you know that when you came to Christ, when you received Him in your life, something new was born in you? Something that wasn't there before, something that never existed, was born, was made anew in you. And why was it done? So that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So here's what I see in this short little passage that just further extrapolates what I think happened with Peter's mother-in-law. One, you were created to serve God. Created to serve God. You were made for it. It says here that you are His masterpiece. In other translations, they use words like handiwork, workmanship. In other words, you are a handcrafted product from the very fingers of God. You are not a mass-produced thing from a factory. You are specially designed. And what are you designed for? To do the good that God's prepared for you in advance. The second thing from here, you're not only created to serve God, you were saved to serve God. You were saved not because of anything you've done in the past or anything you'll do in the future. Grace is not a credit or a reward for any good you've done or will do. The word saved, I know, is an interesting word for us today because in movies and media, it gets thrown around and twisted to denigrate Christians who are stupid and, and, and church people that are stupid. Uh, but I, 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 I can't really get into that word right now. But I, here's the one thing I do want you to remember about it. Just remember this. You were saved from something, and you are saved for something. 
And I know many times we focus on what we're saved from. And, and it says, and I know the gospel declares, we are saved from sin. That self-destructive internal thing that's in all of us. We're saved from death. And we're given life. We're saved from hell. It's being separated from God. And, and the gospel also declares that Jesus saves us for God. So that we can just be His. And just belong to Him. But right here in this passage, we are given a specific of what we are saved, not from, but saved for. We are saved for good stuff. You and I are saved for good stuff. Different translations will say good deeds, good works, in other words, service. So we are created to serve and we are saved to serve. Now here's the exciting thing about this is what it means for our life. You see, God, who exists in the past, in the present, and the future, all at once, outside of time, has set up situations and circumstances for us who live in the present in time, where we can do good things. Now, He has these prepared for us. Now, you can get caught up all in thoughts about, you know, fate and choice, and free will, predestination. You can be mad at God for knowing what's going to happen, but He can't help it. He's God. He knows what's going to happen. Or, here's the other choice. You can live in wonder. You can live in wonder at what might be around the corner. This is the part of the fun and mystery of life and the mystery of God. You are stuck here in the present but just around the corner in the future, you don't know what's going to happen. God might have something special planned. And maybe just one hour from now, there might be a situation where God is set up where you can do some good. Doesn't every human being in this world ask, why was I put here on earth? Doesn't every human being ask that philosophical question, whether they're an atheist or not, why am I here? So your mission, if you should choose to accept it, is to discover what good you might be able to do today in service to God. Now, tell you the truth. When I think about this personally and for myself, I know that I have missed some of the moments that God has prepared for me. I know I've blown it. I've missed it because I'm, I'm, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I'm a little slow sometimes. I'm dull. I'm not very watchful. But you know what? I don't think God is mad at me because I miss those moments. I don't think His love for, me, love for me has changed one bit. He still loves me just as much. And I think He just says to me, Well, Shannon, let's try that again. Let's see if you can spot the next moment to serve me. And I think I've learned from some of my missed moments. So I hope I am getting a little sharper. But here's the deal. We have an exciting life to live. We have an adventure to live with good to be discovered and done with Jesus and for Jesus. Now, now here's the other thing. I don't think we have to worry about this. I don't think we have to get all worked up about it. You know, I, well, man, I, I'm going to write reminders all over my hand. 
I'm going to write, I'm going to write down that God has uh, something planned for me and I'm going to set my alarm at this point to remind me that there's going to be an adventure somewhere and I've got to be looking for it. I don't think you have to worry about it. I don't think we have to, to fear not having what it takes either. You know, if God created you to serve Him and He saved you to serve Him, then He certainly has given you what it takes to serve Him. You ever wonder if, if Paul, you know, who was once the persecutor of the faith, turned to advocate of the faith? You ever wonder if he had a moment like where he was like, man, I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. I'm not a church starter. I don't know how to be a missionary. No, no, no. Instead, he talked about dependence on God. He talked about God's power made perfect in weakness. He talked about spiritual gifts. He talked about how we're called to serve together. Instead, we see this with Paul. One of the first things he writes about is spiritual gifts, passion, abilities, personality, experiences that God gives each of his handiwork people to serve him. Each person who receives Jesus Christ into his life or her life receives spiritual gifts. And these gifts are to be used in the service, the good works that God has waiting around the corner for you. Now, though it's true, every believer has been given spiritual gifts, not every believer, not everyone unwraps their gifts. Isn't that a silly picture? Can you imagine Christmas time or your birthday? Somebody brings some gifts that are wrapped up and you just leave them sit there. You don't, you don't ever open them. You just look over there. Yeah, that's a gift somebody gave me. That'd be kind of strange, wouldn't it? But people actually do that. Now, some people unwrap their gifts and then they, they never learn to develop their gifts. They never learn to use them. And that can happen too. I mean, now, some of us, that might, might happen. You know, you, you get a strange gift from a distant relative and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know? And I, I imagine that maybe some of us are, feel that way about maybe what way God has spiritually gifted us. But you've been called to develop your gifts for God's service, for the good, good stuff that He has planned for you. You've also been given the heart that is passionate about something, that God-given passion is to be used to fuel you for the good works God has in your future. Now, some of you might have a passion for children. Some of you might have a passion for uh, things that are wrong and need to be set right, social justice. Some of you might have a concern and a heart for older people. A lot of our baby boomers are getting older and they're going to the hospital more often. They're going to care homes and things like that. So you might have a, a passion or a heart that way. You need to find your passion because it is what will fuel you. You've been given natural abilities. He gave them to you so you can apply them in the service that awaits around the corner. We get to see a lot of that around here with our, our, our move of, of the city center, trying to be church ministering to our city. You know, we have all these uh, uh, classes, mentoring classes that are offered. People are figuring out what their abilities are, and they're figuring out how to use them. It might be woodworking. It might be sign language. It might be how to use a computer. It might be how to paint. Whatever it is, people are figuring out and using their abilities to coach others in those same things. You've been given a personality that is part of God's handcrafting. And it's also to be used in these good deeds. Use your personality. It's part of who you are. And also part of your uniqueness is that God is taking you through certain experiences. Some of those experiences are positive. Some of them are negative. But God doesn't, your past is never a waste. Your past is always to be used in the present and for these future 
things that await for you. And you need to employ your experiences for the good things God has planned for you to do. Employ your experiences. Don't bury them. We were all made for serving. And God desires us to serve together, not alone. Isn't that a relief? Isn't that a relief? I mean, especially sometimes when you hear people talk about uh, sharing your faith and what the church calls evangelism. You know, sometimes uh, uh, we hear the words of Jesus, I'll make you fishers of men. And we think of us like with a little fishing pole trying to catch. And, but you know what? That's not the context of fishing in Jesus' day and around the Sea of Galilee. How they fish? They fish with nets. They, and it took a team of people to do that. They, they did it together. And in the same way with everything within the body and the things that we do outside of the body, we're called to do it together. Isn't that a relief? We're not called to do this alone. It's a wonderful thing. And each of us might approach things differently. We don't need to worry about that. It's not a contest. We aren't competing with each other in the kingdom of God. We're all working together for God's kingdom and the part of his kingdom here on earth called the church. The life of a servant is not a contest, but it is an adventure that God has created us for, he saved us for, and he desires us to do together without losing our individuality or our uniqueness. You're not a brick in a wall. You're part of a body designed with specialty. Now, I know some of us, you, you might be hearing this and you're going, yeah, yeah I get that. I believe that. And I, I do. I, I want to develop my gifts. I want to figure out and and I, I want to I wanna do it together, but man, I just got this, this thing in my life, and uh, man, it's really hurt, this, this past experience, and, or, uh, and I just think I need to heal. And you know what? I understand that. That's all right. There, there's a time, there's a season for healing. Uh, you know, Ecclesiastes talks about that, and so there, there, there might be a time where you just need to soak and be able to heal, but, but I also want to push on that, because you can't do that forever, Right? It's like Sue was sharing with the children, we're made to produce, to give life back. And so I just want to say, there's something else that, that Paul talked about besides gifts. And he talked about how God's power is made perfect in weakness. You might be feeling weak, but I want you to know that is the perfect time for God to be active in your life. God loves to work through our weaknesses Once again, we rely on His grace in this adventure. We don't rely on ourselves. Now, I know there might be some of us who are on the other side of things. We don't feel weak. We're feeling just a little bit too confident and a little cocky about our abilities, our gifts, our experiences, and we think we're kind of hot stuff. And and I just want you to remember what we learned at the beginning of this message series. God wants you, but He doesn't need you. You're not that hot. All right, and and that you know in Acts 17 talks about God doesn't need human hands to serve Him. I mean, He can accomplish His will all on His own. But the wonder of it all, the beauty of it all, is that He's invited us into this great big adventure, this great big mission, and He's saying, "I want you to help me. I think I think I would like you to be a part of this." And one of those things for a God who doesn't need us, He says, I'll, "You want to worship Me?" with your service, here, serve these other people. That will be acceptable to me. But remember in that, remember Jesus' words. He, he tells this parable. He talks about 
It's maybe kind of shake us down a little bit if we're a little overconfident. And, and it's really about the heart of a servant. And so if, if, this, if this little parable kind of hits you like, uh, I don't know if that's fair. Know that you might, you might be kind of struggling with this idea of being a servant in God's kingdom. All right, here it is. Jesus says this. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, hey, come along, sit down here and eat with me. Would he not rather say, hey, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, then you can have your own meal. And would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? No. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. That's the attitude. Now, is that, is that reality? No, no, we, we hear in the, in the New Testament the hope of every servant that one day we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We hope to hear that. And that, that's the reality that we hope and pray for. But the attitude of a servant is, hey, I'm just doing what God asked me to do. No big deal. No big deal. Band, you guys can come on up right now. One last time, I want us to look at the adventure that's found in this verse, Ephesians 2.10. I'd like us to look at a different translation that's, that's a little more word for word in English. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we can walk in them. Careful where your feet may go when they walk out the door. You never know where your path and your feet will take you. Why are we still here after God saves us? Why aren't we whisked away to heaven? I mean, if we're made complete in Christ, we're forgiven. Even our future sins are forgiven. Why, why then live out this life here? Why, why not just take us to be with God and be done with it? I really believe that we are not here for ourselves the believers, the bride of Christ. We don't exist here on earth for ourselves. We exist and we are here for those who don't yet belong to Jesus, who don't yet belong to the church. I believe that many of the good works God has prepared for you and me, the service to Him that He desires, are connected to people that He is wooing, that He is calling into His kingdom, out of darkness, into light. And He's saying, come here. Let me whisper something to you. You're the apple of my eye. Do you know that I care about you so much? And he's hoping that, and he's got something prepared for us that's going to be done or said or some gesture or some invitation to that person that he's wooing that's going to move them even a degree closer to his heart. He's calling us into that. I believe that's what what he has us here for, why we still exist here. You know, it's just waiting around the corner. This is the adventure that we get to walk in. This is the life that we are made for. This is the life that you were saved for. This is the life of serving. Would you guys pray with me just for a moment? Father, Lord, awaken. 
Awaken, stir us. Lord, open the eyes of our heart, the ears of our heart, that we might see, that we might hear, that we might know that you have us here for a purpose, a great purpose, part of your mission. Lord, that we don't have to be afraid of that, that we can be excited about it, that you've given us everything we need for it. And Lord, that we don't have to do it alone, that we're called to do this together. And Lord, that when we're weak, that you are strong, that your power is made perfect in weakness. Lord, help us to stop making up excuses for not serving you. And Lord, to simply surrender and to say, Lord, what do you have for me? I'm willing. I will go. I will do. I will say. I will speak. Give us willing hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, we're not having an invitation to respond to the gospel. If you came here today uh, expecting to hear a gospel message and being able to respond to it, or you brought a friend and you were hoping, I just want to give you permission right now. You can talk to your friend right now and say, hey, the pastor told me we should talk about what the gospel is right now. And, uh, and, or you can ask the person who brought you, what, what exactly does he mean? What is the gospel? And w- what is responding to the gospel? What does that look like? I, I give you permission to talk about that today or talk about it af- at lunch or on your way on the drive home, whatever. But today is really responding about the call, the adventure to serve. We have something to do that has to be accomplished here within the body. We've got to take care of business here in the house. But we want to be able to go outside and we want to be able to serve our city. But we've got to learn to be faithful here first. And so this summer we're going to take time and during the summer we're going to watch and see if we can, we can do faithful service within the body. And in that, in that first month of September, when everybody's coming back and getting into normal schedules, we're going to look and go, do we got it? Do we got it down? Okay, are we ready to not present a fickle thing to our city? All right, well, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the shelter. Let's go to the children, women's children's home. Let's go down to the police station. Let's go down to the fire department. Let's serve our city. So it's, today is, is really the call and the invitation to to assume your position, to assume your role as someone who says, I am a servant of God. That is, that's my place in the kingdom. Let's stand. Let's worship.